Welcome to Householders, a conversation about American life as Zen practice. I'm Inga Annie Wade. And I'm Kyosaku John Mitchell, and we're lay members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. So last week, my, well, my daughter, my two-year-old started pre-preschool a month ago. What's pre-preschool? Like a half day at her real preschool that starts in a month. Or no, it starts in August, starts in a week. Okay. Uh, So it was like one month of half day uh, to sort of prepare her. And I think I talked about how sick we got like right away when she first got sick. Yeah. But something happened on another level last Friday, which was we got a message from the school during the Uh day. She wasn't there. She was at my parents' house. But we got a message that said that an administrator at the school had tested positive for COVID. Okay. A vaccinated adult uh, tested positive for, for COVID. And they were shut down the school. And so there was this, for everybody else, there was this huge mad scramble on Friday to like go pick up your kids and everyone I'm sure was extremely terrified. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were terrified enough, even though she wasn't there. And then the message came out later, like which classrooms this person had been in contact with and Mm -hmm. my kid's class was on the list. So obviously the two and a half year olds are not vaccinated. Yeah, of course. So we were worried about that. And we and daycares are like a cesspool. Yes. For, or preschools. Whatever. Yes, preschool. <laughs> anywhere where there are children. So, yes, pretty much. You know, we went through the weekend. She wasn't sick or anything. Everything seemed fine. And then Sunday night, after we all had already put her to bed, she woke up like an hour later coughing and congested. Oh, and baby. had a, fe- a, a fever, like a like a low, but you know, fever, fever. Yeah. And so I went into a complete tailspin at that point because I was like, the chances that my child has COVID nineteen are about as high as they could possibly be. Yeah. And uh, I. I, I mean, I you know, despite the fact that we're vaccinated, you know, our the baby isn't vaccinated either. Oh, sure, you don't. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and we and still like even like be being in a house with a kid who has COVID or two kids that have COVID. You know, it seems it seems like you know I'm I'm worried about us too, but more importantly, you know, we we just we're we're in for two weeks of lockdown no matter who has it, if this is the situation. Mm-hmm. And I needed to sleep that night because we needed to, because tomorrow the next day was Monday and like right. we needed to figure out what was happening. And I had to do some really intense practice in order to get to sleep. And the same thing happened when it, going in. And then like I woke up a couple of times throughout the night because she woke up crying and I had to do it again. And then in the morning, my wife was like, I'm going to go get rapid COVID tests at the drugstore. And we're going to figure this out. 
And I had to watch the kids while that was happening. And, you know, I, I was just, just like basically in low grade panic mode the whole time. And I was working with it. And, and so there's the, I, I'm bring, I'm telling this whole story because there were lots of very interesting moments for practice. And this was like one of the best tests of my practice that I've ever had. Yeah. And I want to talk about that in case it's helpful, but you know, this is also just the kind of like just the even the disruption to life that this kind of thing caused is like a tremendous household issue. The end of the story is we got the tests. The tests are 92% effective, apparently, if you have symptoms, the take home ones. Uh-huh. And we did two on her and one on me. And we were all negative. So whatever she has, the odds are very low that it's COVID given that the tests came back the way they do and she she also got like a, a lot less sick after that she's still sick but it, she's getting she's getting better already so okay that's good but it could have been any number of things at that point right and like preschool could have given her any number of viruses yeah. it doesn't have to sure. be sure it's not like the other viruses go away because covid's around exactly <laughs> uh so we're kind of just returning to normal but i'm still very rattled and the echoes of just sort of what that was like as far as my Zen practice goes are still very, very loud in my ears. Yeah. I mean, obviously during this time where you're in a situation that could be potentially very dangerous to your family, you know, your uh, adrenal gland is going to be pushing more stress hormones and stuff. And even though uh meditation can help like reduce stress hormones they're still going to be there so we have to deal with them mm-hmm. um <laughs> regardless of whether we practice or not so that's yeah i think that's very important a very important thing to discuss in householder practice because mm-hmm. inevitably we are going to deal with those situations that just just bring our stress levels to 100 yeah <laughs> There was no question in my mind the morning after she got sick that I was not going to a wake up early because I had we had a bad night and I needed the, all the sleep I could get. But b even sit down and practice uh, in the morning. I couldn't. There was no hesitation in my decision to skip it that day because I knew I was going to get enough opportunity to practice in the moment with what was happening. Mm -hmm. And I felt like sitting on the cushion, I was just going to be like eating myself alive with anxiety. Yeah. And it seemed like my number one responsibility was to, uh, handle anxiety because it was like paralyzing me. It was preventing me from being able to respond to the situation. And I didn't think that sitting there stewing in it was a good idea. So I just didn't sit yesterday. Uh-huh. And I didn't feel any less, you know, present or in touch with what was happening all day. I definitely felt like I was still practicing. And then this morning, since we decided things were back to normal, more or less, I, I, I did get to sit and still felt like an enormous opening had taken place over the last 24 hours, despite having quote unquote skipped. And, uh, you know, I think I think that's sort of lesson number one for me in to take away as far as 
Zen practice for householders is like, sometimes the practice is not going to be on the cushion today. And yeah, and, and it would be, it would be worse to force it than to skip it. I mean, not only that, but that's one of the reasons we practice is to help us with those situations. Right. So it's really like we're sitting there on the cushion and we're, you know, dealing with the present moment as it is. Mm-hmm. And then later on, when we have a situation that's a very stressful present moment, we can learn to manage that situation better. So, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, I think there are times where sitting could make the situation worse if you really like if if it's like down to the i have to do these things to to make this this right i don't know Mm -hmm. um maybe you did have to do a lot of things get the rapid covid test or um you know do things for work so that you you know you're not going to be going into the office i don't know what you had to do but i'm sure there was things that you had to do to make sure that you were crossing off all your boxes Mm -hmm. and maybe uh you know making sure things were gonna run smoothly and um i think in that type of situation like that's that's where the practice was applied yes right i'm kind of getting from what you're saying that there's kind of a procrastination instinct available when zazen is one of the tools in the tool belt like i can't deal with this right now i gotta go sit silently by myself with my feelings and not deal with something. Right. And and that wasn't an option at all in this particular situation because there's like sick kids to take care of, but the, and now they're playing, that's the sick kid playing the harmonica (laughs) in the background. Uh, The, uh, in other situations, certainly in work situations, you know, situations where it's just like unpleasant drudgery to deal with rather than like life threatening situations. I found myself going, you know, like turning to Zazen as like something that I can feel better about than like turning to social media or something as a way of wasting time. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. It really Mm. does depend on the situation. And like, like, I mean, eventually you have to deal with it. Yeah. But I think there are are times like where the situation doesn't allow you to just go and sit Zazen. Mm -hmm. Or it doesn't allow you to, well, like when you're at work and maybe you're stressed out about something and you and your coworker had a disagreement and, you know, or maybe you didn't do something on time and it's like, oh, I'm really stressed out now. But you can't like, you, you have to do something to, to relax yourself in the moment. You have to keep going. Well, there's a, there's a communication version, which is kind of what you're talking about, I think, right? Like if it's a work thing where some where you've got like a coworker stressed about about your work or something like that, you know, there's a and there's a bunch of other situations that that come down to communicating with someone and 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 for me a lot of procrastination around dif- emotionally difficult things comes up when it's like time to say have a difficult conversation or like apologize or something. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I was just talking about though, like that there's a time to. Uh, procrastinate the issue sometimes Mm -hmm. you do have to and -hmm. sometimes you just then you have to knowing that you're gonna have to deal with it later Mm 
mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's not the time to deal with it. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and with communication things, I find that taking some time, not just to reflect on the question or the conversation or the you know the issue at hand, but actually to just do zazen and like lower my temperature is going to result in a more skillful response eventually. And it's definitely worth delaying for that reason to come from a place of, you know, more equanimity rather than being super activated uh, by the urgency of it. There's this idea for people about meditation that it's like, that's something you do to like, calm yourself down or something they'll be like mm-hmm. okay if you're feeling bad go take some deep breaths and go like yeah i don't know like do a breathing exercise or something yeah listen to a recording and i i think that's a reasonable way to calm yourself down but i think that meditation is not always that because like you said you could use it as a way to just i don't know not have it's just to to like a medication I don't know, uh-huh. like a maybe it's a more a, a I like healthier that. medication, but uh, <laughs> the the another another way of looking at it, or maybe a different thing that you can do to use meditation for avoidance is to like freeze time, <laughs> you know, like that's always the superpower <laughs> that I wanted, you know, when it, when people are like, what if you oh, have yeah. any superpower, what would it be? I've never ever had any hesitation that what I would want to do is freeze time, because. Freeze time, freeze time so I could go do whatever I wanted for an unlimited amount of time, basically. Yeah. Well, I wonder what that would look like. Yeah. I mean, there's all um. kinds of fun sci-fi implications <laughs> about like, can other people, can you like wake other people or are they all frozen? And then like, what can you move things around or is everything And frozen? are you aging while everybody else is <laughs> Right. Still? Yeah. Yeah. So there's all different kinds of versions of it. I mean, like, you know, I it, realistically, I would only ever use the superpower for like a few hours at a time, you know? Uh, right. But because then I would be bored out of my mind. But but that's there. there's a sort of soft version of that that I feel like I sometimes have an instinct to use Zazen for these days. It's most most obvious in the way that I think about my mornings. It's like I've got these this period of like an hour and a half on a good day uh, to myself before everybody wakes up and things become stressful. And so sometimes I relate to that period of time in this very unwholesome way, in this sort of grasping, craving way of like, I need to fill that time with as much oh, universe God. as possible so that it, I get Ugh. the most out of it, you know? Well, I, yeah. I'm at the point where I've been, I've filled my, you know, since I'm working full time, I do, it's like for several hours a day, I'll be just like, work, 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 work. And then I'll have time and I'll be like, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. What I I didn't like plan for this time, <laughs> and like I don't know how to not like do things that aren't planned anymore. Mm. Um, and that's something that Matsuo Kuroshi said in um in the Kiyosaku is just like, well, you know, people people s- fill their time up with so much stuff that like when they do have time, they don't know what to do with yeah. it. And they're like, dang it, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> happening to me now. Yeah. Yeah. I reading is the thing that I usually fill my time with because it feels virtuous and uh but it's all it, it's also just become sort of like well, right, a but therapeutic we also, thing for me. We also feel like we have to um fill our time with something productive, right? Right, sure. Yeah. 
and 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 whatever you think is productive because it's kind of mm-hmm. i mean it's it's very like subjective like what productivity is you know um cleaning mm-hmm. um exercising reading and if you right. don't do those things then you weren't productive shame on you <laughs> yeah but it's like however you relate if you relate to it that way no matter what it is you're doing what Matsuo Roshi is talking about. And it's like, and the shame comes from yourself. It's like, I didn't use my time well, but like the, I, it's hard for me to parse really what the Zen message about that is, because, you know, if the message is like, just sit, you know, I know that just sitting is good for nothing to use the Uchiyama Roshi language, but yeah. So, so if you're just sitting and looking out the window or just sitting and looking at the wall, uh, with that time, you're not seeming to do something productive, but there's still an injunction there that like sitting and doing nothing as opposed to doing something productive is the right thing to do. And I feel like it's, it actually loops back to being a productivity question pretty easily. Well, have you ever done any have you ever done nothing without even meditating with just have you ever just done (laughs) nothing and been okay with that like meditation aside say meditation is something Mm -hmm. and nothing is for the sake of argument for the Uh, sake of argument yeah so like i don't know there's times where i i just be just because i'll i'll be like i think that's what zen has taught me in some ways there's like this like hurry up to do something kind of thing and we have these moments of space in our time mm-hmm. where we could fill up with things or we could just experience that dead time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and it's it's weird how painful dead. that dead time can be. Mm. But I but that's that's what I've taken away from practice a lot, just like experiencing the dead time. So you're on the bus or something like that. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get somewhere. There's dead time. You can like listen to a podcast or some music or you can just go through your to-do list or something like that. Or you could just sit there on the bus. Um or just the, I I do end up having waiting rooms like in doctors offices or something like that. You can look at your phone, you can find something to do on it. Or you can just sit in the doctor's office. And I think those are experiences are very valuable. The the dead time is what I'm calling it. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in why you're calling it dead time, as opposed to alive time. Because you have you have the, the the choice to fill it with whatever liveliness you feel like you want to fill it with, or mm. you can just let it be dead. There's nothing happening. There's no liveliness. But why is that dead? Like that's that that to me, like the that's the thing that's most perplexing about the about it from a Zen point of view is like dead is I just made that up. Yeah. Well it's (laughs) I'm very I'm very taken by that language. Well, some people call it downtime, but I don't even know if that's really the way to explain it because downtime's like here you you have some time you can do whatever you want with it. Mm -hmm. I'm saying here's some time don't do anything with it yeah don't do anything yeah maybe it's just a very provocative and correct zen way of referring to it because it's because it's uh because non-doing you know it's like the way that people talk about 
Zazen as dying, like dying on the cushion like that. Yeah. Okay. I'm in dead time. It is the, the, and my, the answer is yes, I love to do that. And I definitely learned to do it or, or relearned to do it through Zazen. I mean, I think that I did it as a child. We've talked about like weird consciousness experiments as a child and, and sensei loves to talk about that too. And that I think is, if anything, like a sort of, uh, what's it called like a pre like a precursor to uh, uh or like a like a revealed if affinity for some for a kid that is going to grow up to be be a zen person if they're you know like closing one eye and closing the other eye and closing one eye and closing the other eye and trying to like make the you know the the thing on the wall move or whatever you know yeah. all those different experiments but the the experience ears. of yeah 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 totally like <laughs> sound lights whatever it is the the uh experience also of just kind of sitting and looking at the sky is definitely something i remember as child as a child and it's something that i forgot how to do or stopped doing or maybe felt like was a waste of time for some period of time and then reawakened to how beautiful that experience is after doing some years of Zen practice. And now, yeah, like, I mean, it's interesting to think about it as different from Zazen the way you prompted me to by saying, by say, think of, think of Zazen as doing something, uh, which, you know, we both sort of smiled as you were saying that because there's like so many injunctions in Zen to not do that, to think of Zazen as not doing anything. But your point is very well taken that like going over to the cushion and sitting and looking at the wall, as opposed to just kind of like going into dead time, wherever you are, whatever you're doing there, there is a much more intentional conceptual like wrapper around the idea of formal Zazen, as opposed to just going into Zazen in whatever situation. Yes. You don't have a cushion with you, for example. So yeah. that's that's going to be different right away. There's people around right. you a lot of times and they're not practicing Zazen. And you still have to be somewhat alert because you're waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. You're you're in a, a liminal situation most of the time when that happens. Like I have, I'm between this and this and I am not, I, I've decided not to fill my time, that time with anything, but it's still going to get to the, the other part eventually. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, you know, it's really advanced practice if you want to call it that because it's, because it's merging Zen practice with reality. And the, you know, the, the, the thing I was doing, you know, I talked about it at the beginning as kind of like an intensive form of practice, what was happening yesterday when my kid was sick, but in a way it's kind of just that it's kind of just what you're describing. It's like, I'm waiting for something I'm waiting for, the COVID test to come back. I'm waiting for, you know, uh, to, to find out whether like what the rest of this week is going to look like based on that result. In the meantime, I just sort of have to be here with what's happening and not distract myself from it. And so even though it was a little more active than the kind of thing you're describing, like looking at the wall in the waiting room or, or staring at the window of the bus, it's, it was kind of just the same thing in move in motion inside my house you know, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't moving forward into productivity. I was addressing the situation as it was and sort of in this liminal space between finding out about the emergency and, and finding the resolution to the emergency. And, you know, that was the practice that day. And there was yeah, well, th- that happens, too. 
for mm. sure. Like, imagine you're in the, or like a situation where you're like in the hospital with someone close uh-huh. to you, and you know that you might not get the answers you need, or they might not get better for a long time, but you just have to share that space with them. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. It. I mean, I think that definitely um, is a big part of it. And I think some of those moments are like some of the most important moments you'll have in your life. In your life. Is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can think of some for, of my own for sure, where I'm just like, I, I remember that so vividly, even though we weren't doing anything, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Hospital time is a great example because there's also, because there's like sort of something unhealthy happening, right? Like you're, you're just sort of like sitting in one place for a long time and there's no natural light and you're eating garbage out of a vending machine. And like you do, you do what you can to take care of yourselves as the people, you know, accompanying the person in the hospital or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I'm also thinking of, I, I was only in a hospital for one of my two children's uh, well, actually, neither of them was born in the hospital, but only one of them did we go to the hospital afterwards. I don't want to tell the whole story, but like we, we were supposed to go to the hospital and we didn't. And so we, we took a leisurely ride in the ambulance with the baby to the hospital after she was born. Uh, and so then we had like a like a 36 hour period in the hospital. Uh, and that, you know, was a joyous time, but it was also this totally liminal space. And it was very hard for me. There was nowhere for me to sleep, really. I slept on a window seat and like, you know, it was the same whole thing is like when when you know somebody's sick or there's an emergency yeah Um, and 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 it wasn't healthy like it it was hard to be healthy it was hard to be kind of integrated and wholesome in my own experience but there was also a sense in which I was just like present to what was happening the only things to deal with are like what are the immediate needs of the people around me and me and how do I communicate with the people who can provide those needs it's almost monastic in a way. It's it's yeah. so different from just the sort of random chaos of everyday life. If you don't think about that time as like a, I'll just get through this and then we'll have this other thing that's happening, it can be very freeing to be forced to stop and just sit in the dead time. Um, when I when I was really sick with lupus and I was in the hospital for ten days, um, I mean I. There was also obviously a lot of emotions that were coming up, learning that like I was very sick and, you know, I didn't like do all the things I could do to prevent that from happening. I was very young and I didn't really like understand that I should have been taking the medications like, yeah, the Mm -hmm. doctors told me, but they were also not very clear how serious it was with me. (laughs) Um, So I didn't really take the medications. I like stopped taking them and just thought they were making me worse, but really my disease was progressing mm. what was happening and I, I in the hospital accepting that that like i made a mistake i should have uh you know been more uh att- attentive to my needs and that i just had to surrender and the the process that i you know had to now deal with this and that was going to be the most important thing in my life mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of my friends and family members came to visit me and everybody was just laughing and joking and oh there were times where I was laughing so hard I was just like crying mm. because <laughs> it was just I have some like 
it was a very strange time. I was also on a lot of uh, steroids, and mm. they can mm-hmm. change your um, moods quite a bit. Um, there were times where I was upset and crying, but there was a lot of times where I was just like, this is the funniest thing that I've ever <laughs> experienced in my life. <laughs> Tell me more about just like your ability to laugh in that situation. Does it, is it connected to that sort of freeing quality of, of yeah. just that's all you have to do? That's all you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. It, I, I sometimes wish I could go back to the space where that's all I had to deal wow. with was yeah. just like one thing. But, you know, even after that, even after the hospital, that was like the most important thing that I had to deal with for a very, very long time. I think nowadays, like I allow myself to go back to that point if I get sick, like mm-hmm. of say I'm like have the flu or something like that. I'm like, yes, now I can return. Mm. <laughs> we should allow ourselves to do that regardless. But for some reason, you know, uh, some people get annoyed when they're sick. Mm-hmm. I see that as an opportunity. Oh, you're my Zen teacher right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes, we're going to get to not do anything <laughs> and, and and i won't feel bad about it i'll allow myself to not feel guilty about not doing anything householders is a production of the atlanta soto zen center in atlanta georgia and the silent thunder order find us on the web at aszc.org our sangha depends on your support you can donate by paypal to donate at storder.org Gasho.